I pretty much just quit <laughs> writing notes on your songs. I just go on the fly. <laughs> That's fine. Welcome to the Greatest List Podcast, a show about music and lists. This season, your hosts, Jason and Eric, are counting down the top 50 movie soundtrack songs from the 80s. Think your favorite made the list? Tune in and find out. Take it away, boys. Welcome back to Greatest Lists, your favorite music history podcast featuring lists of the greatest songs of all time. You've got Professor Jason here joining me. On this musical journey, as always, is Professor Eric. Man, I'm a professor now. What's up with that? Yeah, I thought we'd give us some, uh, you know, give us some titles. Some honorary titles? Well, yeah. I guess we'll have the uh, (laughs) listeners determine if it's honorary or or deserved. (laughs) Deserved or, no, don't call yourself that. (laughs) Well, class is in session again on movie soundtrack songs from the 80s, but Before we get into the countdown, I wanted to give some homework to our listeners. Oh, my. Yes, even before class starts, we're getting homework. Uh, Like an AP class. (laughs) Right, yeah. We would appreciate those of you listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, any platform that offers star ratings or uh, a chance to review. Please go ahead and do that this week. Um, Just like our new best friend, Holly Meriday. Who did oh, uh, left, a, left us a review over on Apple? Holly wrote, "Quote: So much fun! If you love '80s movies and '80s music, this is the podcast for you. I've learned so much, not only about the songs I know and love, but also heard so many great songs I missed somehow." Unquote. So, wow, we sure do appreciate that review, Holly. That gives us a real shot in the arm. Yeah, uh, for doing in the what mail. we do. <laughs> <laughs> Our next selection is here. Put us, um, we're back in the world of the Brad Pack and John Hughes coming in at number 26 on the countdown. If You Leave by Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark from the Pity and Pink soundtrack. By the Numbers. Released on April 21st, 1986 as a single, which was about two months after the film's release, If You Leave would peak at number four on the U.S. pop charts and number five in Canada and in New, and in New Zealand. Uh, surprisingly, only peaked at number 48 in the band's homeland, the U.K., which is where they had most of their commercial success. Mm. Uh, song was written by band members Andy McCluskey, Paul Humphreys, and Martin Cooper. The uh, end of the film was originally meant to have uh, the OMD song Goddess of Love, which the band released on this the Pacific Age album later in 1986. However, director John Hughes decided to change the ending after poor test audience mm. reactions and felt that the new ending required a song with different lyrical content. So Hughes asked OMD for a new song to match the feel of the ending. And I was reading over on Song Facts, uh, an interview with Andy McCluskey, Uh, He said, quote, we were delighted to be asked by John and went to the set where Molly and John Cryer were shooting. We had two days to write a new track at Larrabee Studios in L.A. We worked until 4 a.m. writing a rough version and sent a motorbike to Paramount, I guess, with the song. (laughs) I guess. Or just Uh, (laughs) just like a random sign that we're done. It's like the smoking. It's like the smoke for the new Pope. (laughs) Uh, Andy continues, uh, John heard it, liked it, and our manager phoned us at 8 a.m., told us to go back in 
and mix it. And that's how If You Leave happened. Wow. And the song had to be at 128 beats per minute because that's the tempo of Don't You Forget About Me, which is the track that they actually shot the prom scene to. (laughs) And they were dancing. Unfortunately, the editor obviously had no sense of rhythm because they were all dancing out of time in the final film. That's funny. So that's hilarious. That's some songwriting right there to Mm -hmm. essentially shoehorn in a song for a scene. You know, you're trying to get match the rhythm. Uh, you have 48 hours essentially to get a song. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Uh, Funnily enough, I am currently reading Andrew McCarthy's, uh, biography, autobiography, I guess. Uh And he's, and I just read the chapter section about pretty and pink. Mm -hmm. And he said during filming that John Hughes would come in and play he and Molly and John, like just like bringing a boom box and playing music. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how he picked out the soundtrack. That's pretty cool. And I guess if I remember right, that song was one of them that, that and then none of them liked it. <laughs> and that's why he, and that's ultimately why he had them write an, another song. So that's kind of funny that I'm just not reading that and we're talking about it. So let's get personal. So pretty pink is another movie that I don't remember watching until probably the nineties. Wow. And that was, likely on cable uh i've gone back to watch it you know every few years now mm-hmm. and it's not my favorite john hughes or brad pack but i think it's still fun to watch um we yeah. did own a copy on vhs for the longest time but before the great purge it was uh <laughs> the great <it> was, purge <laughs> wow that, that happened a couple years ago and now of course i'm going back and recollecting some vhs that i yeah. gave away but anyway it was in our regular rotation you know up through the early 2000s i'll say when we were first married along with 16 candles so yeah. what's yeah. your experience with pretty in pink um i mean i saw the theater uh-huh. But um, I'm, I'm with you. It's not one of my favorite John Hughes movies. Um, but uh, I mean, it's, it's I, I won't sit like if 16 Candles is on television, I will watch it. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what time it's on or when it's, you know, whatever. This one, I'm like, eh, it's pretty in pink. So, I mean, it's not yeah. like it's not it's not one of my <clears throat> favorites of, of John Hughes. Although, again, out of that book I'm reading. John Hughes wrote this script specifically for Molly Ringwald. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm not a huge Molly Ringwald fan. It's probably why I don't like, it's probably why I don't like it. Wow. But, it's uh, amazing. Like John Hughes at all, but no, uh, I love John Hughes. Yeah, I, no. yeah, I love John Hughes. I'm just not a huge Molly Ringwald fan. So, um, but you know, I, like I said, I saw the theater, so, uh-huh. um, it, you know, it's, it's good. It's just not like one of his, I don't think it's, it's, I don't count it as one of his memorable ones. Um, yeah. And I, I, I like the song more than I like the movie. I'm kind of in that same uh, same vein as well. I John Hughes movies are not ones that I just sit down and have to watch in chronological order or, yeah. or even marathon. I think we all kind of have our favorites and then mm-hmm. we'll hit some of the other ones every once in a while, but at least yeah. that's the way I am. Yeah, uh, I'm the same way. I movies. mean, yeah, I just... He created he he's created such a, a a universe that you can just sit down and watch any of them and you don't have to. That's right. Yeah. So, what connected me to the movie at first was probably the music video for "If You Leave," and I actually have an article series over on Rediscover the '80s that I dubbed "Bodacious Breakdowns," where I would pick a music video 
and just do my little breakdown include screen caps from you know the music video yeah and uh the video lives up to their name because the best i can figure it was shot in some kind of like art museum or slash wildlife <laughs> preserve do you remember the music video I've, at all i barely remember the music video oh um, no it's like so dark i have to and, go watch it now yeah there's like weird art and brick walls and it's very strange um but i do remember seeing it on mtv back in the day so yeah it's... i vaguely remember it but uh <laughs> yeah and i can't off the top of my head i can't i can't picture all of it mm -hmm. and then as far as the song goes it was in regular rotation on that ac radio station i worked oh, at yeah, in the mid 90s sure, yeah. and it still is now if you listen to one of those what i call dentist office radio station dentist office. you'll Bob you'll hear, FM. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear it uh, a lot if you listen to those type of radio stations Yeah, uh, up through this day. It's in pretty heavy rotation on 80s on 8, too. Mm -hmm. The Breakdown. All right, If You Leave is one of the great synth pop songs of the 80s. Yeah. I think it's pretty much why I put it in the countdown where I did. It's so definitive of the era and its overall sound and instrumentation. You know, it's amazing they put it together in such a short time. If yeah. you just sit and listen to it, really. But I just like the feel of it. You got that synth bass. The saxophone is more of an ambiance in the song, if you listen. And then that keyboard hook. And, you know, just the uh, keyboard does some more ambiance, too, during the verse. But you get that kind of background synth, you know, that synth pop sound that mm, just screams 80s, right? No, knowing now how short of a time they spent on it that that song is awfully layered for a song that it really took is him, took him no time at all to record what i think is funny though is i don't think the drums and bass are real even though in the music video they have a drummer <laughs> and a bass player i don't uh if you i don't think they are it, either yeah if you listen to it like i listen to it in my headphones it sounds like a drum machine and the keyboard for the bass line so they might have used in if you look at omd's uh like band history it's mainly those three guys that i mentioned and they've probably included session musicians and they have and a rotating cast behind live, them yeah. right to uh accompany those uh instruments that they're using yeah. uh you know for production value but uh i think my favorite part of the song is just the chorus vocals they sing so low you know compared to the verse oh yeah touch you once you know yeah. it's real low and then uh you get that uh oh you know at the very end it's it's kind of you know goes back up into their higher register but yeah i just yeah. it's so uh i don't know smoky and i, I just like that the chorus kind of comes down and you can really hear that keyboard you know uh over the uh actual vocals so yeah um uh, also like the bridge you know the keyboard provides that ah oh, kind of background yeah you get <laughs> i'm telling you it's layered i mean for a song that took them what eight hours to record it's got right. so many things layered into it you get that real small kind of saxophone solo yeah uh at the bridge but then the chorus begins again and then Han andy is singing singing his higher uh register there and it, it just works out really awesome yeah uh we get that real uh they hold out that uh we'd meet again someday and then you then you get down to the outro and the outro just has another it like goes up a key you know and 
you get all the oh uh, yeah it does oh you know know, comes back in yeah yeah really good so i was curious there is a 12 inch version out there too that goes about six minutes wow um it just really plays with the vocalization more or less at the beginning nothing new nothing really new uh there's some newer what i'll call keyboard licks in there (laughs) but uh I was hoping maybe for like an extended saxophone solo or something just didn't happen. <laughs> you know, I, I'm spoiled now. Some of those that we've heard and we've added a saxophone solo in. Oh, yeah. and, but uh, <laughs> it plays more with the vocals, more uh, that makes acapella sense. stuff in there. And they, they'll pull out all the instruments and you just hear some. That was pretty standard for those 12 inch yeah. versions back then. What about you? What st- sticks out to you about the song? I like the I like the drums. Um, you, when you were saying it's a drum machine, it, it's a it's an LM one, and we talked about that during the mm-hmm. Flashdance song, uh, or yeah, during the yeah Flashdance, and then also I think I mentioned then that Mutt Lang used an LM one for Def Leppard's Pyro, a lot of the drums on Def Leppard's Pyromania. Uh huh. Um, so they sound real. They're the first this is the first drum set that or drum machine that sounds like a. You know, use samples instead of electronic drums. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it is. But I've always they, the drums sound so tight, and when, they whenever do. they use an, an that that certain drum machine, so I've always loved the drum part. Um, and I just like the I mean, just the song over. Now that I know that they recorded it in that short a time, it's impressive that how much stuff is in that yeah. is in that uh, you know layered into in that song. That's that that takes a lot of. If you've never been in a recording studio, <laughs> it takes that takes a lot of work and effort. Um, and it does. And uh, it's that's even more impressive. And I've never, I don't think I've heard another OMD song, so I can't compare it to anything. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's I, it's it's just overall. Now that I, I mean, that's a that just gives me a new appreciation for what they did if they wrote it and recorded it. Yeah, uh, and still back quick. in the era where they're using tape. Yeah, you know, no, this, this wasn't like they. This is so, no digital production. This wasn't here. on GarageBand where they could just yeah, right. cut and paste and drop stuff. This was all on tape. That's impressive. Yeah, so it's yeah, I, I was impressed by that as well. Mm-hmm. So, if you leave comes in at number twenty six for its commercial success as a number four hit on the charts, and again, just that overall definitive sound of the eighties. Yeah, um, love the song, and as a bonus song this week. Heck, we might as well play Pretty in Pink by the Psychedelic Furs. That's a great song. Which did not make our countdown for some reason. As we were sitting here talking, I'm like, why did Pretty in Pink not make it on the list? Yeah, it's not my favorite song ever. Um, Oh, really? I'm not a huge Psychedelic Furs fan, but uh, it is a fun song, you know, and just thinking about the movie and and, what it means to that. Yeah. So we will go ahead and play that as our bonus song. Good choice uh, this week and it, it was weird i was over on spotify it looks like pretty and pink is like the album track and not from the actual soundtrack yeah so but it's out there we should be able to play it for you uh coming up here at the end of the show this week if you've got spotify premium stay tuned you'll hear the song right after the episode if you're a free spotify user you'll hear about 30 seconds of the song and if you want to find the music outside of spotify of course we put those song whip links in the show notes and it'll connect you with the songs in your favorite music app, like uh, Apple, even YouTube music, places like that, Amazon music. You can go over there and listen to the song uh, or download it, you know, for your personal collection. Give us your thoughts on today's episode via social media 
we're over on Twitter. The best that's the best place to uh, find us. I'm at RD80s. Eric is at Eric underscore Vardaman, V-A-R-D-E-M-A-N, in case you were wondering there. (laughs) And uh, we're on a couple other places too, but uh, find us on Twitter. That's uh, That's the best place. That's where we're there the most, I think. So Eric will take over for our number 25 pick in the next episode. Yes. Couple skate time. (laughs) Taking us back to couple skate. Yep. A duet that we've talked about. It's come up before. So I'm anxious to, uh, to hash it out with you. So (laughs) thanks for listening to the greatest lists. And we will meet you right back here for more music history class on the next episode. You've been listening to the greatest lists.